using two computers tonight, so we're getting techie around here to try to do this hybrid. Um, thank you for those who could attend in person. Is this on? All right. So here we are, uh, the second meeting of the year. Thank you. Thank you for being here. We have folks online, and I apologize if I'm looking ahead to the folks in the room, but um, please don't take that as a sign of disrespect. I'm trying to just navigate both platforms. So we originally had said that the, uh, the meetings would be hybrid, if you remember when um, you would have signed up to submit and show your interest. But based on the feedback from last meeting, um, a large number of people um, wanted to have these in person. So we're able to accommodate that and we want to thank, I want to thank you both for uh, accommodating that request and working with us to have, um, have an in-person, but we thought it wasn't fair to anyone who could only commit online, so we have the hybrid model, and that's what we'll roll with. Um, one of the benefits of kind of operating this way in the past is we're able to kind of make that move kind of on the, uh, in preparation. So here we are, I'm Lucas Chaguer, I know we've met before. It's nice to see everybody back, and um, we'll just get right into it. So we are recording, just so you know, so that we have the presentations. One of our goals, and you'll hear about it after or on the website, is trying to get information as we share it with you and we've had a chance to process. We're trying to be transparent with the rest of the community that aren't on the committee to have this information available as well and house it all in one spot so that it's all there. And, all right, so our goal today is why redistricting? I think we need to hit on um, that point. That was one of the feedback pieces from the last meeting around trying to be super clear on what's happening and why. We'll talk through again, review our timeline, kind of where we're at and where we're going and what's the um, end result. Um, revisit those guiding principles that you provided and put on and then um, provide a, a a preview or a review of the components. We'll explain that in more detail and then get some feedback from all of you regarding that uh, as an advisory committee. We'll talk next steps and then answer um, questions that we can, okay? So, moving forward. Why redistricting? So, there's really um, four areas that we wanted to hit on regarding this. So, um, the last time we engaged in any kind of redistricting was 2002. Um, it's when we opened Helen Keller and um, it was 20 years ago, um, where a lot's happened over time, our, not just enrollment, but our programming, the types of um, things that we offer and the types of uh, programming we provide to students have changed and evolved. So it makes sense from that per, uh, aspect. The second piece, as we look to you know, educate our students, the way we use space, when you think of 20 years ago, and looking at um, how we support kids in a variety of different ways and aspects, whether they're um, in special education, if they're EL, if they're, uh, I'm sorry, if they're um, learning English um, as, a, as a second language, um, for providing supports um, for students across the board in different spaces. So how we're utilizing space is not um, what we might remember um, when we were in school for many of us in the room around just classrooms or classrooms and that's all they're used for and they fit 25 kids in them and, and that's how um, we lay out our, our rooms. The third piece in Dave, uh, Davis there, that closure resulted in um, students moving to Keller um, as, as you all are aware um, which meant just a wholesale, wholesale transfer so um, part of this is looking at our enrollment and looking at our um, balance across the district and is there an opportunity to look at that and look at our redistribution. And finally, the enrollment forecast. Um, we have some data on that as well, but ultimately the, the projections from one of the demographic studies shows that um, the, uh, the 
birth rate and the population declines, right? And we're seeing that trend over um, the next, basically um, pushing out into eight years, really a, a, a trend of lower enrollment. We have people to let in? All right. Thank you. So those are all components when you start to think about our town and our school and where kids go and what makes the most sense. So we need to be thinking about the here and now and the immediate, but we also need to be thinking about any decision you make, what's the impact in the future, so that we have kind of covered some of those bases. So this project, the, the process we're going through, is around, you'll notice the, the first piece is around gathering data, right, geocoding, and then we're leading into the component scenario building. We're at the point now where we heard a little bit about components, but we're gonna get into more detail about what that actually means and what that will look like um, around, in order to get to a scenario where you start to test ideas, you have to have these things locked in. You have to have these components and looked at our, our town. And I think the local context is that piece we talked a little bit about last meeting. This is an example of it in actions. Like let's get some um, local context to each of these components and kind of how you can break up a town and, and make decisions and, and start to look at data, student data across our town. We then would move into scenario evaluation. We're probably a meeting away from that to look at what happens when you start to um, manipulate different areas of our town and make um, um, basically uh, trial different areas and if you started to look at populations and neighborhoods and move and key to keep them in a school they are or move different particular areas what does what's the impact of that what does that look like and we have um, information that we'll we'll be able to share with some of that and then the third piece is around the community outreach so after we've had four meetings and gone through some of these scenarios. At that point, it's a matter of getting feedback from folks who aren't on this committee, um, trying to get a more um, comprehensive look. And part of that is not just surveying, but opening it up for some public opportunities to talk through some of these ideas. All of this leads to the presentation here. Let me move that. All of that leads to having the school committee have the information they need to make the best decision and informed decision based on all the things that have been presented. So that's kind of how this leads and that's planned to be in the spring. So if we look at this timeline, here we are. We're hitting this January, December to April kind of in this scenario mode. The components are right before that. And then we start to incorporate feedback from others and then ultimately lead to a place where here's where we landed with the analysis and the information we have. And ultimately, the one thing we do know is that information will be shared with the school committee and they'll have to make a decision on, on the information shared. And what that will be, we don't know at this point, but it's gonna be based on the work that we do. All right. Hello, my name is Lily Rivera. I am the Marketing and Communication Specialist for the Town and School. Um, so I just want to touch base about some of the rationale behind um, the guiding principles and how we got to where it is that we are now. Uh, so we reviewed your feedback, so each table had feedback regarding the guiding uh, principles proposed at the last meeting. Um, and then while I was looking at, we were looking at the feedback, we saw some common themes. 
So we went through the feedback and defined, okay, like geographic proximity, special pro specialized programs, and social building capacity, minimize impact to individual families, balance enrollment and fiscal responsibility. All, a lot of the feedback touch base it had to fall into one of those categories, and if it didn't fall into one of those categories, um, it's addressed somewhat in the it's addressed in the narrative some of the um, points um, such as like equity, um, sa the same type of um, instruction across all schools, and really developing and focusing on the student of uh, sort of the idea of portrayal graduate the community consensus of what it is that we want our students to walk away. Um, you know, on graduation day, um, what is it that we really want them to accomplish? Um, the narrative itself, it, it um, what do you call it? It sort of helps piece everything together and center the students at, at the heart of the work. Uh, and we'll dive a little bit more into what each of one of these means. And, I, and there was also some components, some, some aspects of your feedback that was not um, addressed in the guiding principles, but it was more of a question of what is the why? Um, so in front of you guys on your table, and we'll have to link it for the folks online as well. Um, there we have a frequently asked question that we've developed to sort of address some of the questions that you have regarding the process. Um, the why is there. We also have a, a landing page on the district's website that you can get some more information on that we'll have a running list of you know every meeting presentation that we have. Um, and it has the narrative and the guiding principles listed there as well, and that's all for you guys to use, keep, and help um, sort of digest some of the information that we're going through. I know it's a lot, and I know it, you know, just seeing it all on a slide makes it difficult to absorb, so hope these handouts um, help out. If you have any questions or any feedback, uh, feel free to write it down, let me know at the end. I'd love to do whatever it is I can to make you guys sort of help, you know, bring everyone along in the process, especially as we go through the community outreach phase uh, later on in the project. And, um, and Alex and I appreciate on sort of dive deeper into each one of these guiding uh, principles. All right, um, so yeah, so as Lily and Mr. Deer had mentioned, uh, we used your feedback and your input to get to where we're at. So one, thank you for everybody being here and sharing your thoughts and insight. I think this is really helpful to help us really evaluate where we go. Um, what you see on your desk, as Lily had mentioned, we do have the FAQs, we do also have the paper version of these guiding principles for you to reference. Um, they are also going to be on the website if they are not already there today. Um, but we wanted just to run this by you, so at least to make sure that we are all in alignment with that these are the guiding principles that we'll use as part of our evaluation criteria when we get to the place of scenarios. So you can see us for the first one, geographic proximity. School assignments will be determined by drawing attendance zone boundaries and should emphasize a neighborhood school approach by prioritizing geographic proximity of home to school to allow for efficient transit routes for families and the district. So today we'll talk through the components and how these components are and do they encompass the neighborhoods that make sense and if not, we wanna hear your feedback on what we can do to change and modify that before we move forward. <coughs> Instructional building capacity. Number of students who can be accommodated at the school, taking into account the space needed to accommodate instructional, instructional space, specialized industry programs, and interventions needed to ensure students' needs are met and are met equitably. So, we'll talk through the numbers and what our spaces are and how that looks like. So, making sure that our buildings work for our students, um, and we're not just um, putting students where it, it doesn't make sense. Balanced enrollment. 
Class sizes within school committee guidelines will be consistent across buildings, accounting for future enrollment projections to ensure school attendance zones remain intact for as long as possible. So really try not to do this again and making sure that we're building for the future and um, what makes sense. Questions? Um, specialized programs, specialized programs serving students with special needs require the use of additional space. The school district should avoid modifying attendance zones that would place a dispro, 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 I can't say the word right now. <laughs> it needs water. Disproportionate number of specialized programs at one school. So really looking at everything as a whole and making sure that there is that balance and there it is equitable across the board um, when looking at the numbers and how things are um, dissected. <coughs> Minimize impact to individual families. Recognizing that a population of families have recently experienced shuffle as a result of the Davis Theater closure, changes to school attendance zones should be minimized to the best of the district's ability within the context of other priorities. So we know that redistricting will impact some people, looking to see how we can manage it as best as possible um, so that we're not um, making changes that are um, not in the best interest of the individuals impacted. And then last but not least, fiscal responsibility. The school district has an obligation to maintain fiscally responsible operations, especially in regards to the management of facilities, instructional programs, student services, support for faculty and staff, as well as other factors that impact the quality of experience and offering within the district. So making sure what we're doing is feasible financially and really, um, as we all know, um, the school district has a large portion of the this, this town budget. We want to make sure that we're doing right, not just for the school, but for the town and being good stewards of the dollars that we have from our community members. So, so these are the, the criteria that we're looking as we evaluate um, these scenarios and see really does this meet this goal, does it not, and really how do we compare and contrast each of the scenarios that you'll be presented as we go through this process. Pause there. Questions? We haven't talked about in terms of the weight. I think it really comes down to what checks the box for as much as possible when comparing the scenarios. So I think if we look at two scenarios that are the same box that it checks, then we may look at that weighting and see, okay, well, what, what's the difference? But as of right now, we haven't gotten that far. Business Administrator, and talk to you a little bit about the functional capacity and uh, targeted utilization, which is what you can't see at the top of the slide. Um, so, this report um, is a facilities assessment report that was done by Castle Blues Associates back in 2020, uh, available online. We started with this report, they looked at all of our buildings, did walkthroughs, they did um, a functional capacity for us. We started there. Um, we took that functional capacity, we looked at the changes that we've made since they've been in the, in the district. We added specialized programs in some schools, we moved some schools, uh, moved some programs to different schools. Uh, we might have changed utilization of certain classrooms where it might have been a general ed classroom with 25 students, but now it's a um, smaller, smaller group instructional space that might only fit 10 students. So we've made those adjustments to that functional capacity. So 
We've started with KBA. We made some adjustments to, our, to the space based on how we're utilizing it. And now we're gonna calculate a targeted utilization. The MSBA, Massachusetts School Building Authority, um, oversees schools in the state and they have um, standards for utilization of school buildings. Um, their standards at the elementary level are 95% utilization and at the um, middle school level, 85% uh, utilization. So we looked at our revised functional capacity from step one. We multiplied that out by MSBA's targeted utilization of 85 or 95% at the middle and elementary level and we came up with a revised targeted utilization that we provided for this um, project. We provided to APGEO for this project. Um, specifically, when we apply that formula, again, as you can see across the top, um, we, just, just the first example for Jefferson, um, KBA indicated that the functional capacity at the time was 433 students at the Jefferson Elementary School. We made some adjustments. Um, there was an, another specialized classroom added at that school and there was another um, space designated for uh, English language learners. And so our revised, the net to that is a reduction of 20 um, students to be able to um, be accommodated in that building. So our revised functional capacity came out at 413. 95% of that brought us down to 392, which is what you're gonna see that AppGeo has used in these calculations across the board. Um, and then the same um, applies for the rest of the elementary schools in terms of the formula. Uh, and then again, the same formula was applied at the middle level. Um, and at the middle level, again, it was used, uh, we used the 85% capacity based on the MSBA standards. Can you explain MSBA? MSBA is the Mass School Building Authority. Yep, that oversees um, schools and districts and they have set standards as to what buildings um, should look like, what types of spaces they should have, how big the square footage for certain spaces might be, uh, and, and what their target utilizations are. Questions? Yes. Um, what are, what's the capacity right now? Is that on the graph? So this was the so the the functional capacity per the Castle Booze report. This is at the middle level. So for example, at Horace Mann, it's um, 720 students. We made an adjustment based on how some of those rooms are are um, being utilized at Horace Mann. We brought that down to 710 and then multiplied it by 85 percent. Uh, based on the MSBA standard for utilization of, of um, a middle school, which puts the revised target utilization at 604, for example, at Harsman. So there's 720 um, students right now at No, no, no. You're going to see in one minute, you're going to see in one minute how many students are actually there and what our current utilization is for each of those buildings. Oh, that's, that's but we have to come up with what we think is an ideal um, enrollment number or target utilization when we're going through this exercise because you know it, I w we wouldn't want to assign you know 900 students for example to Harvest Man if the capacity was only 604. Make sense? Other questions? Okay. Thank you.
Okay, so um, that's a good segue into um, the current districts. Um, so, you know, you've seen this map. This is where what your um, uh, your districts look like in the on the elementary and middle school levels. Uh, you know where the districts are, what the geography is, and um, you know where the schools are located. And so what we did now is that we've broken everything down by grade. You've seen that first table in our first presentation, but now we're actually able to give you the capacities based on the current enrollment using the uh, metric, the, the calculation that Miriam just described. So, so now you have, you know, the, you can clearly see that, okay, this is what the enrollment is, and that's what the utilization is. And so now our aim, if we use, you know, our, um, one of the guiding principles of you know capacity and utilization we need to be you know that's what we can aim for to get that to be a little balanced so that all the schools are balanced in that in that capacity um, section so you can clearly see and you know um, since all of the students from Thayer were moved to Keller you can see that it's at 105 percent and um, and you can see the breakdown for the English language learners the special ed and the free and reduced lunch percentages as well and then also the breakdown for every grade. So, um, you know, get familiar with these tables because you're going to see a lot of them coming going forward. Um, we're just showing you the first one for the current uh, districts and how they look. Um, and, you know, we'll be providing the same um, data set for all the scenarios that we'll be building going forward. Um, and then I'm just going to switch to the middle school so you can see that as well. Um, and... Um, you know, given the that, that's what the capacity is, this is what the percentage would be, and the breakdown of the um, of the grades and the um, other demographic information. Um, so before I move on, I want to just pause here and ask for questions. Uh, anybody have questions about this breakdown? Does it make sense? Good. Okay. Um, so the next step is, um, and I think we described this in detail in our previous presentation as well, the first step was the data collection and the processing and the geocoding of the students. And the next step is uh, basically building these building blocks. And I think I described this in the context of um, you know, census data. When you're doing redistricting, you're using uh, census boundaries, which are blocks. But we don't have that for school redistricting. So we've got to create our own uh, neighborhoods and, and, and building blocks. And those are based on where are the students, where are the neighborhoods, you know, what are the geographic boundaries that you know, lend themselves to be um, created into a component. So that's what we're going to be doing now. We have taken a significant look at it over the last couple of meetings, the smaller group, and we've created components. And that's what we're going to uh, share with you today. Um, so um, uh, you know, we worked with the working group, and that's what the map looks like. Um, I want to be very clear here that you know these have just been created. Just think of the town as a empty slate and you know a clear slate, and we're just creating these components. It doesn't mean that they will all get used in the scenario. You know, it just gives you the flexibility of creating these components, and then we can move things around. So, you know, if you look at this, it's going to say, oh, all of the center of you know the center of town is all split up. But that's just because we've created these blocks that now we can, you know, um, move some of them 
into one district and see what the numbers look like, see what the demographic looks like, move something else, and create these scenarios for you to then respond to. And you know, of course, we'll bring to you only what sort of makes sense. You know, there's going to be a lot of crazy scenarios out there which we don't necessarily need to bring to the table. So um, this is what um, we'll be looking at today. Um, um, that's what the what the map looks like, and what we need from you is um, is really um, um, giving us feedback on what are are there any other neighborhood considerations that we've missed? Was there something that we've overlooked? Um, are there any traffic considerations? You know, walkability, morning commute. That you know, that road just doesn't make sense because there's going to be so much traffic on it. Um, you know, what adjustments would you consider? Because um, you know, what we tend to do is that when we create a component, we make sure that we sort of draw the line behind a parcel so that if there's a a street with kids on both sides of the street, we don't want to make create a component where you're splitting the street because you know then at least that component goes together to whatever school it's going to. So if, in some cases, if it's a busy road, we've actually done it along the, the main road. So, but if you think, no, it doesn't make sense to go along the main road, then we can always adjust that. So those are the kind of um, you know, ideas we need from you um, after we look at the components in a little more detail. Um, so I'm going to um, just switch to the map now so that you can see that. Um, there's a way to get rid of this, right? Um, this. I think we just drag it. For some reason, nope. I thought if you just like moved away from it, it tends to go away. Yeah, it's not near now, is it? Um. Maybe you might just have to click on it and look. Mm -hmm. there. Are there questions in the chat? So the questions are, they're logistics. We're renaming, people have to rename so we can get them in breakouts, but um, okay, I can double check. And no, no. Um, it's not, they're red, but it's not showing as red on that one. So you have that? Yeah, so um, so this will, this link will be shared with you. It's on, on the map, you know, when you go home, Take a closer look at it. Um, you know, you can use that the the email to send feedback. There's also a feedback form. Is that right? Is that a form? Yeah. So you can provide feedback there. But you know, let's spend a little bit of time. Um, I'll sort of move around the map, and then as a group, you can focus in on it and discuss amongst yourselves, and then give us the feedback as a as a as the four the four tables. Um, so. Just um, zooming in um, a little bit on this map, um, what we did, of course, was, um, um, oops. Um, you know, given that we did need to deal with a lot of this, um, this oak area, which is sort of, you know, budding in here between Keller, you know, because of course, because of Thayer as well, we created these components, and if you zoom in, um, you can see you know where the lines are. And you know, I'm not going to be able to pull up the street names here, but um, um, this is basically what it looks like. Um, and um, let's see if we can pull up some of the street names. So Priya, uh, hmm. just to, so just folks, so you're aware. So like these were all based off of trying to keep. The neighborhoods together, yeah. what made 
difference from a um, getting to that neighborhood and how do you get there? So like one town, one street, street will get from one section together. Um, the bus routes as well that are there today, um, walkability, all the things that just try to keep these groupings together that made sense. Um, and as Priya mentioned, there is the QR code on the table that you can actually look at this and look around the town and see what your you know your area looks like. Because you know that your area better than we you know your particular area. So you can give us your feedback. So the QR code on the table brings you to um, a feedback form and at the top of that feedback form if you're on the phone, there's a link that says scan to access components. So if you click on that link, it will bring you to this map. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, so, I mean, yes, I totally acknowledge that the first thing you're going to do is go to your house. Absolutely. And that's like normal, normal really? nature. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you can actually use this search button and put in a location and go to your house. So you could do that. But I do want to encourage all of you to please think of this from a, a town-wide perspective. You know, you live in this town, you know the streets of this town, beyond just your individual neighborhood. You know, look at it from a, from a wider perspective and give us feedback from, you know, how have we built these components? Do they make sense? Maybe we need to add another component somewhere else that we've missed. So, Think of it that way, and you know, um, I encourage you to look beyond your immediate neighborhood and uh, and look at this map. So, are we good with everybody? Like, does everybody have a device to do this? Sounds like you're off. Yeah. Yes. For the breakouts, because what I think we could do is give people some time to actually look at this and then discuss. Then discuss. Yep. Um, but it might make sense to put them in breakout after we give the directions. So. Okay. Yep. That works. All right. Folks, we're going to give people time to actually digest this for a minute and just look at this, and then we'll come back together at table groups so that we can have a discussion around questions, comments, concerns, um, considerations. And then we have someone elected at each of the tables to help, help record some of the questions that have come up. And then um, we'll do the same. Excuse me. We'll do the same with our breakouts. We have folks online that are going to help us facilitate. But ultimately, the purpose here is for you to review this and then um, try to look at some of the questions that we have on the sheet around what Priya just mentioned. What are other considerations, local context we need to consider? And then we can bring people back. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, should we get comments and you know? It looks like Al, you've taken a bunch of notes. What? How do we? Yeah, and I think that these are more like we'd have to look at the map to just. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you want to. So, so Mary, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I don't know, Miriam. Do you want to come up here so that we can? Evaluate together so everybody's on the same page instead of us. My biggest concern is in terms of street names uh, are that. Um, here. No, they are. They are. They are. They are. are they? Yeah. Okay. You just have to hit a refresh. Yeah. We added them all. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Okay, so what are we starting with? Anybody have any? Let me just uh, bring people back in right now. So. 
can tell you one of the things that we talked about. Okay. Okay. Um, do you want to go, Miriam, something that you noticed? Um, yeah, so um, can we go down to Keller 8 and 9, I think it was? I'm sorry, Parmenter 8 and 9, right in the corner here. So if we look at the border of Parmenter 9, which um, if you scroll in so we can see the street names, right where this line is off of Pearly Lane and goes and cuts off on Wampanoag, one suggestion um, was because Pearly Lane and Wampanoag and Lost Horse are all one neighborhood, mm -hmm. um, they suggested cutting the line um, going south. So instead of cutting off Pearly Lane, including it, bringing it down to Jordan Road um, and cutting it there. Okay, so Jordan Road and so keep all of this together Correct. with this. With nine, yes. Okay, Ashley, you got that? Maybe we, what we could do is we could just actually create another component here. This one, this one. Can you can can you all see my mouse? So this could be another component, and it could be treated together, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So their feedback was to put them so to keep eight and nine. Yeah. That okay. Section. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we found one that was kind of a novel. So Keller nine. You go to that one. Um, we have. 65 and 69 Philomena Way that are out of Keller 9, um, but it looks like you have to access it from Keller 9. Yep, so these two. Exactly, so if you can zoom in into that section, as you can see, um, it, zoom in just a little more so you can see the actual street from a, like a road standpoint. We have Long Hill Road that goes to 69. Um, oh, right. And if that house is facing that street, in essence, you'd have two buses going, you know, one stopping a house before for a different district, another one for that one. Yep. Um, and then the one next to it, 65, um, we think it's pointed to Philomena Way. Um, and if it is, it's kind of similar, like the bus is going to have to go around from one district to another to for the school. So we can take a look at the imagery to see where the driveway is for this one done and, and confirm that. So we can, I wonder if this is an old boundary. Yeah, I mean, because it goes from pink to purple, that's the current yeah. boundary. Yeah. yeah. Is it like a flying lot where the road is off of, the main driveway is off of the main road, the yeah, road in subdivision to the north. Is that the point at which Long Hill gets cut off? I think it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is, because yeah. Long Hill doesn't connect to Lincoln. Well, it does, but it, there's a break in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> which you can see. There's a break from Long Yeah, so this is, this is actually your current boundary, um, right. district boundary. Yeah. So. Okay, we can, we can take a look at that. Okay. Other comments? We have others. I don't know if we want to go through all or just go through other tables first. <laughs> um, others have comments? Yep. Um, Oak 1 and Oak 5 are technically part of the same neighborhood, but it's a big neighborhood. So, you can see it makes sense. There might be a split, but I'm just not sure if that's the right one. Oh, so huge. Uh, so, basically what happens is one is your primary, uh, like that's the first 
that's where like you the know when we st located. where the school is thank you where the school is located so you know that's going to be always going to be part of the the main that's cool and it will likely always be the largest component just because that's where the majority of the students are going to end up going to because they're the closest to that school the easiest to get to that school so a lot of these you know were like when we were built we were putting them together i remember we were like oh this this neighborhood makes sense this neighborhood makes sense but potentially we won't be using them at all they might all it only makes sense to keep them in oak you know so you create the components because you think okay that gives you a little more flexibility but then i think in retrospect you're sort of thinking why don't we make those so but they will all then just be part of oak if you know if that's what ends up happening so does that does that make sense I think you were you talking about Oak One and Oak Five? Yeah, because they should have the line between Oak One and Oak Five because they're a neighborhood. So you're saying that squiggly line further out from the Trump This is because um, there was this, I don't know, I guess it's an open space, so I'm not sure what this is, but that's where we, we created that line. And it's behind this parcel, so it, it is, is Echo Bridge road and farm pond the same like is it part of this neighborhood it is yeah and so then up, up towards the top mm -hmm. charles river which goes across uh, east to west there yep. yeah yeah that whole area right. is kind of in that oh five okay I would just add, I know that one of the reasons we looked at Oak 5 was because of, walk, because of the walking path off of Charles River and Mill. Um, that, that is right behind the Kennedy School, so I think that was one of the reasons. But if you think that the line needs to either move to the west or to the east, we're open to suggestions. Because, because there's the, that Charles River loop in Oak One access coming over the Oak Street through Oak Five. Yeah. Can you say that again? One person. Can you say it again? That, that most of the people that live off of Charles River Drive in Oak One, uh -huh. that whole loop and that, that whole part of the neighborhood, they they come and go traffic wise through Oak Five. That's the way the buses go. That's just to keep extra traffic off of Maple Street, most people come and go that way to that neighborhood. So, um, like, what if we we moved this to like this? Uh, like, would this make sense? Like, because it's, it's a whole loop off of it. Further south, right? They go the Bridge. So make so maybe maybe. Um, Cutting it behind Bogustel Brook and then up to Franklin Springs Road. Sorry, I'm going in because I live tucked in right here. Right. Yeah. So the, the only way out is either out Maple Street uh -huh. or most people come out and go Oak Bridge this way. Okay. So like this is all part of that same neighborhood from that way out. It's one. It's one neighborhood. Yeah. Basically, that river. That Charles River Drive is right. one. So, neighborhood. are you suggesting to just yeah. eliminate the line? Maybe, or maybe. Yeah, maybe. Or just keep. Five kind of encompasses all of Charles River Drive. So, so move it to Maple Street behind Charles River. Yeah, that might make sense. 
it's well there's a, there's also a walking path from this neighborhood that goes to Oak Street so yeah it's tricky I hate right. to have that go away for my kids but right right behind that um, cul-de-sac right there it's 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 nice because the neighborhood's connected to right. Kennedy and Oak mm -hmm. yeah yeah. Walking paths. Yeah. Right. Okay. We let's. You don't have to talk about that. Yeah. Let's let's make sure that we like make a note of it. Yeah. Ashley, you got that. <laughs> okay. Uh, other feedback. Seven oh four. I have feedback from online. Mm -hmm. um, and what I can do is allow um, folks to speak. But wondering about Overlook and Oak Eight neighborhood. Wondering about that section, whether uh, Oak Eight and Oak Ten. Overlook Drive. Yeah, we just kind of kept them together, but we we recognized they're kind of all landlocked in the middle of Oak, and that was one of the things we talked about. Yep. Um, why we why we created the yeah. components that are right in the middle. Um, so let me ask uh, everybody this question. Is there anything here, like do, do, does this component, Oak 6, Oak 7, make sense from a, from a Kennedy perspective? Potentially? I think so. Okay, okay, okay. So we're sort of on the right track. Should we take the some online groups, yeah. the two groups, just to hear what, sure. just in case we missed, and then we can come back to the full group? Yeah. All right. Um, wondering, uh, does anyone from the group, I'm thinking about group one, if someone could just share any thoughts, comments, and I can, I can unmute you or allow you to speak. Just raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> um, we can. Um, Amy Beecho raised her hand. There we go. Perfect. Let's see. Two parts. Two. Thank you, Amy. There we go. And so let's go here. Who's the table leader in the sheriff? Mr. Williams, can you hear us? Yep. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, I would say that I don't think we went to the, the detailed level of, of breaking up kind of the the different section, but I do think that we saw some uh, consistent, uh, brought up some consistent questions about, you know, about color neighborhoods that are traveling through both two, three, and four, and knowing that obviously the, um, the DT closure plays a, plays a significant role in that, and knowing um, the, uh, the complication that comes with you know, the, the, the idea of that school closing and then having it all go to, to Keller uh, for the sake of that community staying together. So I think those are some of the questions of, of just of looking um, looking at that, at that travel. Um, there are also um, a few uh, areas in terms of car mentor, uh, where the Keller 5 district uh, around Union Street could possibly be walking to car mentor. Um, 
and and color 10 and 11 could also possibly be closer to that um, to that parmenter area um, I think we looked at it as well from um, but under, you know again that we understand the, the impact of the BT closure on, on that community um, we looked at the traffic considerations um, and it seems like from a sense of feeling like Parmenter, um, Ren Jeff, and um, uh, Keller and Sullivan, that uh, the nature of those complexes and, um, and Parmenter have the ability to, to have a smoother traffic pattern, um, but the challenges that go along with the Oak Street, Franklin High School, ECDC, Horace Mann traffic, um, and, and what that is with student drivers, and, and just obviously the, the consolidation of those schools in, in that area uh, being a, a consideration as well. Um, and I invite anyone else in my group if I did not capture what we were talking about accurately. Thanks for going in. Yep. All right. I think they got more into the scenario. Sure. It's okay. Um, <clears throat> While we're waiting, I think there's a second group that we had, but in the meantime, if there's anyone in the group, we can kick it back to the in-person group. Is there anything else we need to discuss or consider before we? Yeah, so for our table, um, it was 03, which is the budding uh, color 9. And this may just be a natural border that, that exists today, and it's not just part of the work that's being done here, but... Um, it's like right in between the two. That like half right now. Thank you. Yeah. So do we do we move that around or redraw the line to account for that Miller Street portion? Then there's in the beginning of that next color on Miller. There's the greenhouses before Christine that are moved into the next. It's like the bottom left corner of Keller Three. Oh, this one? Yeah, up those three houses right up on so Miller that's Street. That's Christine yeah. is the next street up is Miller. So, right. Well, the, those three right there. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, do you mean that those? That this is the current current uh, district boundary. So. What is the, these houses? Do they identify with any one neighborhood? Like it's just splitting it up. That's what you're saying. After those three houses, they go from uh, they go from Keller to Oak. Right. Yeah. So I mean, half of is Keller. Right. Yeah. So then. So I guess when it comes to thinking about scenarios, making sure we try to keep Miller together as a whole. Yeah, basically Oak Three should go with Keller Keller Three wherever it goes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the current boundary is that. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes sense. You know what would be helpful? I don't think we done this, but maybe there's a differentiate like what's current boundaries versus what's our. Well, if you have the the the, school, the oh, colors on. Oh, no, 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 I'm overthinking things. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I think I think we've got quite a bit of feedback on this. Of course, you know, once you get home and you think of more stuff, um, you know, we we welcome the feedback. I don't. I mean, I think we've done a pretty thorough job of creating the components. So. Uh, we have plenty of flexibility to build the scenarios now, but if there's anything that you think we missed um, in other parts of town, then do let us know. Priya, I have one more group. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then we're running up on time, so this is good. Um, okay, let's see if uh, Ms. Mr. Stark or Mrs. Morrison. <coughs> Question as we get into the scenarios is 
um, how do we approach the idea of like does my physical um, address um, stay color um, if I was impacted by the transition and um, or does it become a phase out um, approach um, which I think is on a lot of people's minds and that really is going to drive uh, what happens with some of these color components um, as to if they're movable or not. Thank you. So we need to, so some of those questions come up with scenario mode. Um, our next meeting is going to focus on that. We're going to be actually getting into the component building leads to kind of what are the scenarios on the table. There's been a lot of chatter out there in the community on what could happen and what can't happen and how this can look. Um, getting this kind of broken up and locked in allows us to go to the next stage. And what I would say as a committee, you're an advisory committee um, to provide feedback and input, but also people are going to ask you questions. Hey, you're on that committee, what's going on? You can share what we've done, obviously. You can point them to the website. The one thing we'll say is with scenarios, this group's going to see, as far as community goes, you'll be seeing the first iteration of any scenario. So anything you hear that's potentially a scenario isn't a scenario unless we've brought it here. Does that make sense? So I just want to be clear with the folks online and the folks in this room, because I've already heard scenarios from a lot of people. And I just don't want to um, create like scenario uh, uh, anxiety, thank you, anxiety or scenario um, fatigue, where we talked about it so much, people are exhausted when it comes time to really uh, weigh in. So um, I'm just, I'm sensitive to that. That's some of the feedback I've gotten from other communities and other superintendents who've been through this. Um, so we will do that. I think we, we're ready to. We're just gonna now, with the, these pieces, be able to dive in and dive deeper. You have the link. I'm gonna put in our running agenda the presentation so you can look back at all the slides and then you'll have a link to that map if you haven't used it already so you have it on your computer. You can dive in a little bit deeper. There's also a QR code to the website and, or you can find it online, but certainly you can use our QR code and the other pieces. The handouts and the link in the chat all um, will bring you back to um, the FAQ, which has that timeline, but also um, will link you back to the interactive map. So if you want to keep looking at that, you have access. There's, an, there's a redistricting email. So it's set up to go to a group of people, not just one person, but a group that can help respond appropriately to whatever the questions are that come up. If you as a committee have questions and they come up and we can start to prepare, we really try to be responsive to the feedback we've received and then the emails throughout like the month. It helps us prepare for what do we need to hit on that we haven't. And um, like I said, we're kind of walking through this together and we appreciate your time tonight. So um, like I said, next meeting, um, we'll get into some of the more the details of what people are probably most talking about is what could this look like? That's what we'll do next meeting. So, um, January 17th? Yes. 17th. Okay. I hope you have a wonderful break, folks, and uh, happy holidays if you celebrate, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody online. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio.
This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.